The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Welcome once again to another edition of Conversations with Carlton, a podcast produced by the Texas Economic Development Council. I am uh, delighted to introduce today's guest, um, Sally Bain, uh, a longtime uh, veteran of economic development in our state. Um, and, and certainly over the last many years, a, a highly successful pro- professional in her role with the Plano Economic Development Board. Sally, welcome to Conversations with Carlton. It's a great honor to have you with us today. Carlton, thanks. I'm delighted to chat with you. You are absolutely one of my favorite people in Texas. Well, you were you were kind to say that, um, Sally. Uh, you know, I was just thinking the other day. Um, I think the first time I met you was, I think it was in 1988 or 1989. You, of course, were 12 years old at the time, and I was 13. Uh, uh, but seriously, I and I I believe it was at a TDC event, and. Uh, I think at the time you were working for the Greater Dallas Chamber, but um, that said, uh, what I what I really want to hear from you is just how you got started in economic development. Those who have known you uh, as long as I have, for example, know that you're uh, a a Nebraskan by birth and a a proud uh, Nebraska Cornhusker. So take us back uh, to the time that that uh, tell us about where you're from and how you got into our world of economic development. Sure. So I was raised in Omaha, Nebraska, and um, you always go to the University of Nebraska if that's where you're from. You wouldn't think to go to any other university. (laughs) And I graduated with a degree in business administration with an emphasis in economics and marketing. And was interviewed by a number of career opportunities, um, people that came to the university and interviewed seniors and chose to work for a public utility in the Houston area, which at the time was called uh, Houston Power and Light. It was prior to the deregulation of electricity in the state of Texas. And of course, utilities had a vested interest in the success of their territory, their geographic region. And so I morphed into, from being a power consultant into economic development. And so that's really where I started, um, looking to make the connection for the utility between users of power and our geography so hang on a second there's sally i've known you for all these years and i had not known that you started at at hlmp i did that was my very first job right out of college okay so um so you and, and you work you matriculated into the economic development world there how how did that take you um, on to, um, you know, when I met you in Dallas. So I decided that I really liked uh, working in economic development and was 
focused on pursuing a career that was for a community. So from there, I went to the city of McKinney, Texas, and I was the Main Street Coordinator slash Economic Development Coordinator for the city of McKinney. I really wanted to work in a community and not just uh, regionally. I needed to learn so much more about the profession and I thought the best way to do that was being a community representative. How, how long were you in McKinney? Less than three years because after that I went into regional economic development, which is when I believe you and I made contact at when I worked for what is now the Dallas Regional Chamber. And I was there for about a decade. Yeah. Um, see, see I, I, I had remembered that you were in McKinney and, um, uh, that, you know, you were at uh, the, the, the Regional Chamber in Dallas for at a, at a, at a really cool time in its history, I think. And, and I think you were, uh, tell us about that. Tell us about, um, you, you know, what, what you were doing and some of the projects you worked on. And I know that you, uh, you worked with a number of, of folks who also uh, had distinguished economic development careers and, and, and distinguished uh, um, economic development careers within the TEDC as well. Um, it was a real exciting time, I think, for the Dallas Chamber because they started the Dallas Partnership and right. brought in people who had significant um, pristine reputations in economic development from across the country. And so they built this really amazing team of people who had layers and layers of experience. And so what a great environment really to learn even more about the profession because I think it's so important either through a, a professional experience or through education that you understand what others are doing so your program can continue to evolve and become better. And that's what they did. They brought all these people in from uh, practices across the country and had them work on what at the time was um, the opportunity to promote economic development on a scale that was larger than just a municipality. It was a number of counties and was definitively the region. Who was, um, who, who headed up the efforts there? Uh, remind me of, of who you worked for during that period of time. Yeah, so the, the gentleman they brought in um, had come, I think, from Arizona, and that was Scott Eubanks. Scott Eubanks, I do remember. Yes, yes. And, and, uh, and so Scott hired you? Uh, I mean, technically, yes. I was certainly uh, well under uh, a few layers of Scott. <laughs> <laughs> um, I worked in his, you know, his program. Right, right. And did and domestic, um, domestic business recruitment. And... Um, what years were you, did you work there? Oh my goodness. Um, so it was in the late 80s, so 88 maybe to 96. Um, and, and 
Tell us about some of the projects that you worked on at that time. Uh, I think it's an, it, it'd be important for the to the listeners to understand just the the the, the fact that you've been involved in some of the most um, really game changing projects that have occurred in the North Texas region. What were some of the things y'all did there before you moved on from uh, the Greater Dallas Chamber? Well, just about a little bit of everything. You know, we did warehouse and industrial and data center projects. The biggest headquarters project that I worked on while I was at the Dallas Chamber was uh, when Quaker State moved out of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, And what's interesting, if you're in this business long enough, you know that companies continue to evolve. And so mergers and acquisitions take place. And it's a good lesson in how things like that change the composition of your business community. And that's exactly what happened with Quaker State. Um, I believe they got purchased or merged with Pennzoil and then moved to Houston, which you know made sense because that's certainly a, a stronger hub for oil and gas. Right. right. But that was a big deal moving them out of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. a, a very good lesson for me in uh, learning how to assist a company with a significant employee move and all the nuances associated with that. It was a great lesson and experience for me for when we, I ultimately was involved with um, Toyota's relocation and all of their people. Sorry, my phone just rang. Uh, No, no problem, no problem. Okay, Um, in in 96, you went to Plano. Tell us, tell us about that move and uh, what precipitated that and uh, your start of uh, uh, what, is, what has been an a unbelievable career uh, working in economic development in Plano. Well, in 96, I, I think I had decided that after you know close to a decade of regional work, I wanted to get back into community-specific economic development. And the city of Plano's effort was expanding their program to include, for the first time, business retention and expansion. Uh, That was was, uh, a progressive thing to do because at the time that wasn't, there wasn't a lot of standalone positions for um, BRE. So I went to work for Cole Morvan, who's a good friend of TDC's having, having been uh, the chair, I believe, of TDC. Yes, he was. And a longstanding member. And I went to work for Cole um, until he moved on to consulting. And so when that happened about three years into my um, employment in Plano, I was lucky enough to be selected uh, to be the new executive director and have been here now since 96 and the executive director. And, and <clears throat> excuse me, you've been the executive director, you became the executive director in uh, in 2000 or 99 or when? Let's think, um, it was probably 99, yep. Wow, 
wow. Oh my goodness. It's um, so you I don't look at my resume, so sometimes the dates <laughs> seem a little fuzzy to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, you, if you're like me, you don't want to look at your resume because it uh, hits you in the face how old you are, right? Um, <laughs> All those years. All those years, yes. So, um, my goodness, uh, so you've been basically running the Plano Economic Development Board since the time I got it to the TEDC, which is uh, pretty amazing. That's a that's a long time, Sally. Congratulations. That's Thanks. that's quite a run. Well, and the and we've evolved too because uh, when um, the city council created the Plano Economic Development Board back in the early to mid '80s, this county was not as developed and so they wanted a big strong cohesive community effort around economic development fast forward to uh, about the time a few years after i became the executive director i think the city was fundamentally continuing to be the primary funder of the um, department and wanted to bring it more in-house since we're a member of the Metropolitan Transit Authority DART, the way we fund incentives is through ad valorem taxes. And so they felt like that the incentives were coming out of the city's uh, general fund so that the effort should be more centered and directed by city council. So we have now come entirely in-house and are a department of the city as opposed to a type A or type B or any standalone board or chamber of commerce for that matter. You, you know, I've always had such great respect and admiration for how you all have been able to do it and do it so well without the economic development sales tax. It's, it's just been a remarkable um, run that you all have had, but it also shows um the world uh, our world in economic development in texas that you can do it and do it well without the ed sales tax you can um i'm really fortunate i never overlook the fact or undervalue the fact that this community is a, a really great proposition for business it's a good value proposition and fundamentally has an amazing access to a talented workforce and those things ultimately are far more important to a company than incentives incentives are always going to be a part of the conversation we know that so then in 2006 because uh, we could not become a type a type b city due to our participation with dart our city council decided to partition off two cents of our ad valorem tax rate to dedicate it to uh, an economic development fund. And so we've been using that. Um, and that is what we use for our incentives, just as type A and type B use for uh, sales tax for theirs. Now, uh, it doesn't come anywhere close to uh, what a lot of communities <coughs> feel off. But I think, Carlton, honestly, our objective is to kind of neutralize the conversation about incentives, provide um, 
a meaningful incentive, but it's never going to be the most aggressive. You know, that's a that that's such a uh, a smart move that that you all made, and um, it has enabled you to to more than hold your own and to compete in the you know arguably just within the North Texas region, it's the most competitive marketplace uh, for economic development in the country. And it, it's so, uh, it's a great credit to you <clears throat> and, the, and the leadership in Plano over the years to have figured out another way to do it and not only do it, but, but do it well. Sally, you, you are, uh, you've had a lot of success and you've had, um, uh, you know, just a great run uh, there in Plano. But beyond that, you're one of those few economic developers that was able in their career, um, or careers rather, to land a landmark, game-changing, colossal project. <laughs> and uh, I want to, I want you to tell our listeners about. Um, the Toyota headquarters project and and all that went into that. Sure, um, what a fun story to be able to tell. It's it's honestly been the delight of my career. Lucky they're in the state of Texas. So for Toyota, according to um, our relationship, they started looking for a site to consolidate these operations that were in Kentucky, um, a little bit in New York, and fundamentally in California, in Torrance, California, into a single location. And so the project's code name was Project One, because the idea was that they would join together and become one again. Because I think organically over time, the company, after the 50 plus years they've been in the United States um, in those capacities had grown organically and in different locations. And it created a disconnect with practices, um, it, a disconnect with a little bit with the culture of uh, Kentucky's operation and California's operation. And some of that is just pure geography is kind of derived by the geography and kind of the culture of the region that they operated in. So the company knew that it was in their best interest to get everything put into a single location and they started with probably a hundred-ish uh, cities, regions and cities across the United States. And I'm told that that process, that desktop analysis, took about a year's time. So when we first uh, got the project on our radar, it was a probably sh a four or five short months before the announcement. So we were- Well, uh, uh, let, let me stop you just briefly there. Uh -huh. Was did that project, at that point in time, as part of the analysis, did they come directly to you or was that a state or a Greater Dallas Chamber project? Uh, where were you all 
at that point in time. Was that directly to you in Plano at that time? No. So okay. I think that they had shortlisted, let's call it three or four regions in the United States that you know had cities within that region that were still under consideration. And I think at that point, they genuinely had not made a determination within a region even where they wanted to be. So there was some continued sifting and priorities and analysis that was occurring. And we responded to a series of uh, RFPs, a series of um, responses on very important questions to them. For example, uh, things about diversity and uh, equal rights ordinances and things that talk that really spoke to more to the culture making sure the environment was compatible with the culture of the company and those were indications of it to them so we we were providing a lot of information education was extremely important to them and so a lot of conversations and information was exchanged on education so a lot of that was being channeled through the dallas regional chamber okay and as you know in the state of texas to qualify for the enterprise fund you have to be down to a single community in the state and so we knew after some further sifting that that was us and so, um, okay so at that point and and back to your earlier comment about uh the regions what other regions were you all competing against well that's a fascinating question that i've actually never received a full answer to and i think that's because uh we're talking about a consumer products company who doesn't want to alienate any potential customers <laughs> so well you know you know my uh, site location consultant background coming through here <laughs> well you know i we think it was in the southeastern part of the united states so, so perhaps an atlanta region uh, well, would be a good guess right yeah i don't think it was atlanta oh okay i think it might have been north carolina right okay okay i don't really know that for sure right and, and i think they felt like it's less about why it's not another location and more about why this is the location that's right which them. is a great way to handle it by the way it, it sure is yeah it sure is so when we knew that we were competing with another location in the United States, because we do believe it was down to two, it may have been an, a third that we're unaware of, but at least the one and two were uh, the highly debated choices. And so we, a pretty protracted conversation uh, back and forth about incentives. Because you, we couldn't compete, I don't think, with what that other state might have been doing because we don't have a income tax. And so tax credits and all of that, you have to really get to net net what the benefit is. What are you paying versus what are you getting deferred versus what Texas is offering? 
So much conversation about that, um, much deliberation with our city council, and um, and we found out that it was going to be Plano. So I can't even tell you what kind of out of out of body experience that felt like, because you really work your whole career thinking that you know you can land this kind of project, um, but it's really rare. It is, it's extraordinarily rare and, and um, it, it just must have been so exciting um, for you to, to, to have marshaled all of the resources that Plano has to make it happen. And then uh, I guess that's when the work really started, right? <laughs> it did. Uh, we are big about, you know, the service after the sale. And so the community and all our partners rallied to respond to the company's request, Toyota's request, that we help make this transition for their team members as easy as possible. And so we had a number of visits to Kentucky and to California. Um, we've, we also went to some of their ancillary sites in um, outside of Phoenix, Chandler, and to Baltimore, and to Des Moines. So we did what we could to educate their employees who would be making the decision about relocating, educate them about this region and what it might feel like to make the decision to take a position in the new Plano campus. In addition to that, the company had, they're called WAVES, 55 WAVES of employees. So twice a weekend, they'd have groups come in um, and get a overview of the region, get an opportunity to meet with a lot of our regional partners, cities that were involved in a big ballroom that let them know uh, what it was like to live here and answer questions that they had. Um, and that was 55 of those events. That and were you involved in every one of those? Yes, sir, we were. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Twice, That's amazing. Yeah, twice a weekend. Oh my gosh. Um, well, very committed to achieving what the company wanted, which is to get the their very valued workforce um, content with the idea of coming here. You know, I've never really met a company who uh, who has such high as highest esteem for their team members as Toyota. It's really amazing. So that's the company pivots around that. That's the culture of the company. So we knew it was important to them. So we made it our priority. Wow. That is, I, I, I didn't know that. Now, what was the, uh, just kind of curious of, of consolidating those operations from New York and Kentucky and, Southern California into um, into Plano. Um, what what um, what was the transfer rate? I mean, I'm I'm sure it was very high uh, among the transferees. 
So it is extraordinarily high. Um, we're told it's about 70%. Wow. Wow. It's very high. And, uh, you know, y'all have, uh, this, what is it now, six, seven years since that occurred? Well, they opened the campus in 2017. Um, so it took, you know, a couple, three years and one day, I think it was, to construct the facility. <laughs> so six six years from the announcement, right? Correct. Is that one? Yeah. Okay. And tell, no. tell us about the, uh, now that the campus is open, and, um, and tell us about the, uh, just the kind of the statistics related to Toyota's operation there, employees, average salary, uh, economic impact, that kind of thing. Well, the economic impact is phenomenal. We had done a study um, and over a 10 year period just for Plano, not for the region. So considered even multiplied, but just for Plano, it was a $7.2 billion impact. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. With a B. Billion with yes. a B. <laughs> And, and they've got about 3,700 people that are employees at Toyota, but badged employees, so they have contractors on site. There's about 6,000 people that work there. Wow. Have y'all ever done anything like uh, looked at the multiplier effect? I mean, obviously, you've, you've got the, uh, the, the billions in in total economic impact. Just curious if, if, there, if you ever looked at a multiplier effect. That actually encompasses the multiplier. Oh, okay. 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 Uh, so that takes into account, uh, you know, sales tax and some of the higher level ones. We didn't drill way down into a lot of ancillary multipliers. And uh, we had the study done by an accounting firm. So we wanted someone who had a lot of acumen in understanding a numerical benefit. Just amazing. Just it it amazing. really is. It, it's a, the project itself um, made all the difference in the continued development of that quadrant of the legacy business park. So it is part of the 240 acres that JCPenney's had bought in addition to its campus site, because back when they made that decision, Penny's did in 1987, they knew that that land would have incredible value because of their occupancy and because of what was going on around them. So fast forward to when that project starts to get developed, Legacy West, the Toyota location accelerated it. So in three years time, the Legacy West development uh, did what was projected to take 10 years. And that alone is a $3 billion development. It's just, uh, you know, talk about multiplier effects, ripple effects. Uh, it's, it's, you, you get to, you got to see it in real time. Yes, without much sleep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, 
I want to ask you uh, just if if you a, a couple things uh, uh, if if reflecting back on your career, if there's any um, any counsel you could give um, someone who's interested in the economic development world, uh, what would that be? And likewise, um, what what would you what would you say about um, where you think um, our um, economic development world is going? So my counsel would be pick pick who you work for carefully, understand their trajectory, understand their value proposition, and make sure that you add value to that. And I think you need to help a company decide what it wants to be when it grows up. So for Plano, Plano decided very firmly that it wanted to be a job creation center. So that was how we envisioned ourselves. That was our goal. And then we have steadily held to that as the objective. Um, you have to stay in a, in a location long enough to see that come to fruition. So I think a commitment to the community is so foundational to your success. Knowing who, who you are as a community, knowing what your value proposition is, seeing how you can leverage that and add to it, and then sticking with it. I think often I've seen people make transitions too quickly. I think if you hang in there, um, you, can, you can make things happen, but it does take longer than anybody expects it to. You gotta manage expectations too. Did I, do I need to add that? Yes. Oh. Yeah, good. Keep going. Yeah. So where where do I, what would I recommend someone to do? Um, stick with it, I think, fundamentally, because tenacity, tenacity and resilience are the two best skill sets, I think, for economic development. Going forward as a profession, I'm a little concerned and have been for a few years about um, there not being as many uh, younger generations interested in pursuing the career. So I, I worry about, are we going to, as a profession, have you know, highly qualified people to, to do this function within communities all across this country? Why, why do you think that is, Sally? Um, I mean, is it, is it perhaps the, um, the po politicalization um, of, of, our, uh, of our profession, our world? I mean, there was a time, and you and I, that, that you and I have been in this business where everybody was for what we did, uh, but maybe not so much anymore. Uh, exactly. That's what I see. Um, in pockets all around us. I, I find it really curious. I think it's sometimes people for, 
forget what it might have been like in 2008 and 2009. Right. 8.2% <laughs> unemployment rate. You know, you have had a very unhealthy local economy, um, especially in Texas where sales tax is so critical to the state's revenue. Everything around us was stalled. Yeah. I think and, and people forget, Texas lost 455,000 jobs during that two-year period. They do forget. It's, you know, the painful memory is more than they want to connect, reconnect with. But um, if we, we have to keep preaching, as I do, I teach a Citizens, Citizens Academy class and I teach a Leadership Plano class. And I tell them that the reason why you do economic development is to create a larger tax base because it's that very revenue that spins off of that tax base that provides services, the services that you as a citizen get to enjoy. It keeps your tax base, your residential tax base lower. I mean, your rate, um, your bill lower than it would be with in the absence of a strong commercial sector. Plano has about 52% of its tax base as commercial. That's arguably large. Yes. Yeah. So the commercial tax base is underwriting the cost of extending services to our citizens. So the other thing I point out to them is we seek to diversify our uh, our local economy, our municipal economy. We want a number of different kinds of businesses. You know, drawing upon the strength of our labor, we focus on targeting certain kinds of industry clusters, but that it gives us diversity is the biggest point. Because we all know also sectors, as well as the economy as a whole, sectors have downturns. So you have to insulate yourself from that uh, by diversifying. I, I'm just concerned that yes, the the upstart a career upstart isn't as interested in it because they do see the the political environment sometimes is not as supportive as it should be. Um, I also think that people don't understand the field. So I can't tell you how many parties I've been to and someone says, and what do you do? And I tell them <laughs> my title and then 30 minutes later, they're still at a loss. I think it's kind of an obscure or unknown field. And so it doesn't get the kind of um, exposure to other career opportunities that uh, compete with it for people. But I think you would agree a, a, an, an incredibly rewarding one. And, and it's like you said, if, um, you know, most people don't even think about the fact that, um, that there's someone like yourself that's involved in all of this on a daily, hourly basis. They, they tend to think this kind of stuff just occurs. Um, but once they understand, uh, I think, you know, most people are, are fascinated by it. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, I think they think it's espionage or something, but <laughs> part of it. Um, I, you know, Carlton, fundamentally, the people who do this 
for a living as a profession have at the very heart of it um, a servant's perspective, a servant's heart, because this is not the side of the business that you um, make a lot of money at. That's absolutely not the point of what you're doing. You're doing it because you are convinced it's for the betterment of your community and sort of the advancement of everyone that you that you help diversify and bring new tax base uh, to the community. So you do it because you have a servant's heart. You know, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I often, um, you know, you're actually one of those few people who uh, I think deliberately uh, going back to the time you went to work for HLMP that uh, I knew you, you started there not in economic development, but you you pretty quickly uh, got into it and then uh, made it your career. I, I, like a lot of people, kind of fell into it accidentally. But to your point, one of the things that I liked about it and do to this day is exactly what you said. You know, I come from a public policy background and and I think that a lot of us that love it um, in our heart are do-gooders and we we approach it from a do-gooder um, perspective uh, and I think that's what you're saying. Absolutely it is. I think that's also why so many economic developers are deeply involved in the community in which they reside in terms of boards and efforts that they volunteer on or commit their time to. A noble undertaking, a noble profession, um, uh, at least in my opinion. And then I get the opportunity to, to watch someone like you and, and the remarkable career that you've had. And uh, I'm lucky to, to know you and I'm lucky to have uh, been able to follow all the great things you've done um, in the North Texas region? Well, one of the joys of my career has been knowing you and all the other great members from TDC. So we're a network and I think we support each other and we make the profession better together. Well said. Um, it's It's been a lot of fun talking to you, to you today, Sally. Uh, Thank you for all that you do, uh, not only for Plano and North Texas, but for our great state. Um, and, and thank you for taking some time today uh, to visit with, with me on Conversations with Carlton. And I'm thinking that uh, maybe we can do this again sometime. I'd love to. Thank you, Sally. Thank you.